are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. What we're going to do now then is just, just before uh, I speak, um, we're going to hear the word of God read to us by Evie from the first few verses of Genesis chapter 2. Take it away, Evie. Thus the heavens and the earth were completing all their, um, their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had, been, that he had done. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much, Evie, for reading that so well. And uh, yeah, good morning again to all of you um, at, at Hope Church. And thanks so much for, for Zooming in, streaming in this morning. It's so good for us to be able to be together as we sort of get stuck into Genesis again. And throughout this series, we're, we're getting uh, into just the first 12 chapters of the Bible from, from this book of Genesis. And we've titled this series, A Blueprint for Life. Uh, this is as the first part kind of zooms out to look at the origins of all the things that we see in our world. Last week, we looked at the, a blueprint for creation and the origins of creation uh, as we kicked off our series. And, and if you missed it, do check it out when you get a moment as it just really helps to set out the context of the book and of the series. I also mentioned an evening called Cafe Theology, which is coming up, where we'll be sharing various different creation views, all, all the different sides of the debate, and giving you time to think about uh, those views and ask a panel of uh, people some questions on it. Now, you can even start submitting those questions now by heading to slido.com and entering hashtag Hope Church. There you can submit uh, anonymous, Q&As and we'll collate those over the next few weeks um, so that on the evening we know what types of questions we, you really want answered out of these first few chapters of Genesis. But this week we're going to look at the last day of creation specifically and uh, what rest looks like. Um, you know, we, we did look at all the seven days last week, but I wanted to just take a moment to, to just pause on this last day. And so we're going to do three things. We're going to look at what rest across the Bible looks like, this seventh day rest, this Sabbath rest. We're going to think about that. We're going to think about what happens when we don't rest. And lastly, we'll look at what does rest look like for us today? You know, Last week, I went running at a place called Caesar's Camp. And for the uninitiated, Caesar's Camp is a high point in the surroundings where you can just look out for miles. And it's just amazing, as you can see in the picture. This run I was doing um, meant that actually we ran up to Caesar's Camp three times um, throughout the, the half marathon distance that it ended up being. At the top, as you can see, it's just amazing views. And when we started off early in the morning and actually at the beginning of the day, fog and mist just covered the whole landscape. In fact, it almost looked like a sea. You couldn't see any of the trees below that high point. 
the second time round, that, that fog started to descend and you could see the tops of the trees. And by the third time, you could see the picture that you can see now. And all was revealed. Having ran up that three times, I've got to be honest, I was absolutely shattered. And uh, I certainly needed a rest. Rest was really important for me to take. And I've kind of been recovering all week from it, to be honest. But we heard in the passage, on the seventh day, God takes a day of rest. And it poses the question, why? Why, why would he do that? Was he like me, needing rest and sleep and recuperation? Or was it a different reason? Well, we know, we know that God doesn't get tired. We, we know this from Isaiah 40, which says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. God didn't take the seventh day because he needed rest, but he took that as a day off for our sake. He did it to, to teach Adam a vital principle from the outset. And you know what? It will be easy for all of us to, to go straight away and to think that this principle is all about the importance of having one day off a week. And that is a key application. And we'll look at those kind, kind of things. But first and foremost, I wonder really if God was teaching Adam about the gospel and about what rest in him looks like. Now, that might be a bit confusing, so let me just explain what I mean, because that's really my first point, that rest is a message of the gospel. And uh, as we mentioned last week, God's seventh day was Adam's first full day. And on Adam's first day on this planet, all the work was done. All the seeds were planted. The fruit was ripe. The garden was pruned. There was nothing for Adam to do other than to spend time enjoying God's presence. He didn't have to work for it. It was all a free gift of God's grace and goodness to Adam. Before he could do anything to please God, the garden was his. And you know, later on, we find out that, that Adam and Eve are effectively crowned kings and queens of creation with a mandate to go forth, to multiply, to subdue the earth, all as a free gift of God's grace, all as an unearned, undeserved, unmerited free gift, an expression of the creator's love towards his creation. A great thing for us to celebrate on this Valentine's Day. God's amazing love for us. But the Lord, he put a stop to his own work on this seventh day and he called it Sabbath. Now, Sabbath, it, it kind of sounds like quite a religious word, doesn't it? It's not really a word that we would use on oh, taking my Sabbath today. We, we wouldn't do that. But it, it just simply means to cease and desist, to kind of stop from the, the normality of life, from your working week and to, to rest. It's a day made for mankind, literally made for Adam to enjoy God's good creation. You know, later on um, in a dispute with the religious leaders um, who had made the day really hard work, Jesus remarked, you know what, actually, the Sabbath was made for man. He was literally pointing us back to this, uh, this, these verses about how on Adam's first day, it was a Sabbath day, a rest day day and it was made for him and yet these religious leaders had turned it into just hard work with lots of rules about a bunch of stuff that you couldn't do 
in very contrasting ways to the religious elite, Adam started life resting in the fruit of all that God had done. Adam knew from the outset that life on earth revolved around God the giver and not Adam the worker. And so that's why this is my first point. Rest is a message of the gospel. God's day off spoke a message of the gospel that the Garden of Eden is a foretaste of heaven, which is why it's referred to as paradise, actually, in, in many translations. God's day off in the creation week was his first gospel sermon that heaven is a graced gift from God and not a reward for man's human efforts or works. It was not Adam's work that resulted in this day off, but it was God's good gift. You know, as Adam awoke on day seven, he, he just literally could stretch out his hands and eat from the tree of life. He, he, could, he could stand in the middle of the garden. He could walk with God. He, he was living out the gospel. And, you know, with that lens, it really gives us fresh meaning to some of the key verses that we can find later on in the Bible. Uh, let's take Ephesians chapter two, which says this, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. That's like, you know, it's a picture of this, isn't it? From, from dust, Adam came and God breathed life into him. And this shows a picture of us going from death to, to life in the same way. And it goes on that he might show his incomparable riches through Christ. You know, Adam would have experienced incomparable riches through through his creation, through God's creation. And, and we can experience his incomparable riches through many things, through God's goodness and his love and his Holy Spirit to us and his creation as well. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast you know not even Adam had the audacity to boast about where he found himself yet tragically as we'll find out in a few weeks Adam and Eve weren't content with everything they'd been given but actually consumed with the one thing that they had not been given far from enjoying rest in the garden they are then subject to the opposite to hard labour of the ground, to hard childbirth, uh, to, to just hard, hard life outside of God's goodness, outside of God's rest, outside of his purposes and promises for them. And you know what? They're uh, first given over to the, the, the Israelites, um, are given over into the wilderness, as we, as we heard about last week, uh, when this book is given. And they're in that wilderness, they're in the desert time, and Moses is up Mount Sinai, and he's speaking to God, and God's speaking these words to Moses. And life is hard, and life is tough. And this book is given to Moses as a reminder that do you know what right at the beginning there is a gospel message of his goodness and his grace and uh, uh, that's found in this seventh day rest do you know what this this message is given to us today too to remind us that we that whilst life might be hard and whilst life might be tough there is rest to be known and rest to be found in God and so this seventh day rest is kind of a reminder of the message of the gospel and what it means to find rest in God and trust in him for everything. You know, it seems like God wanted this message to never be forgotten. And so he wove it into the fabric of the very people of God. You know, I, I mentioned that this book was first given to the Israelites just after they had escaped from Egypt. 
You know, the people, they had grown out of slavery and now they were being shaped into God's nation. In Egypt, they were driven by slave drivers, slave masters, and they had to they had lots of work to do. And the work was relentless. It was day after day after day. You know, they weren't taking holidays off at a water park in Sharm el Sheikh or another part of Egypt. You know, they weren't doing that. They didn't get rest. They had to labor every day, day in, day out. They worked every day for food, for drink. And if they didn't work, they were beaten and they went hungry. You know, it's really difficult for that kind of mentality to to be left behind. And so even now, as they're walking into this this new arena, this, this new sense of freedom, God needed to speak to them this message again, to, to give them a new culture, to remind them of a new way of living, because leaving the past behind is tough. In a, one of my favourite films called Shawshank Redemption with Morgan Freeman in, there's a character called Brooke who has been in prison basically his whole life. And when he's a very old man, there's this scene where he is released. He has all the freedom in the world and yet he's trapped because he's been told his whole life, basically, when to eat, when to go to the loo, when to sleep. And that way of life has been everything that he knows. Now that he's free, he can't cope. He doesn't know what to do. And it's quite a sad ending, which I won't spoil for you. But in many ways, the Israelites were, were like that. God had done an amazing miracle. He had set them free, and yet it was different to what they knew, and and now they needed to learn a new way of living. Numbers 14 says this, the entire community raised their voice and the people wept that night. All the Israelites criticized Moses and Aaron. The entire community said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we'd just die now in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to fall by our sword? Our wives and our children will be taken by force. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to each other, let's pick another leader and let's go back to Egypt. I mean, that's just tragic. It's just a tragic story that can so often be told over and over again, where people are caught in unhelpful patterns of behavior caught in in unhelpful cultural ways and caught in the way they've been brought up and for the people of Israel they had known for for perhaps 100 to 150 years slavery and and what that looked like day in day out and so God spoke to Moses and said hey I need to speak to you a new message and we, we heard about creation last week and about, you know, God's purpose for it and, and how he pursues us. And, and today I want us to remind us and to speak to us out of the seventh day about how God wants to give us rest. He wants to give us a new pattern of life, a new blueprint for life. You know, without a hope, without a new way of life, without this blueprint, they thought that being in slavery was better than having their freedom. And that's tragic. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, having spoke to God, God gave him this new blueprint for life and this new blueprint for his people to follow. And he was giving them this reminder of his grace and his salvation and his love for them and his commitment to them and reminding them of what he did in the beginning and saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do for you now. And one key concept that they needed to learn was that 
everything they had was provided by God. And so you may well know that the number seven is regarded as the number of completion in the Bible. So, you know, God completes the whole of creation in seven days. And this Sabbath day's rest, this message of the gospel, God wanted to point to his people as a celebration of uh, of, that they should think about throughout their whole lives. As a celebration that God, just as he completed those seven days, actually, he is able to bring to them uh, a completion of rest and fullness in their life. Even in the desert where they feel far from the land of rest, far from what God wants them to, um, they are encouraged by God to live in the promise of a Sabbath day rest. And so uh, here's some some sevens for you to, to know about. So seventh day of rest is like complete rest. And so what the people did is every seventh day, they would rest completely from any work. That, that meant that they wouldn't even collect food uh, like the manner that God provided to them on day seven. They had to trust that God would provide it all on day six and that would be enough for day seven. And so they would experience on that day relationship with each other and relationship with God and enjoy God's creation even though they were in the desert, even though they were far from really knowing what fullness of rest and eternal rest looks like, they were encouraged to experience that now by taking one day a week off. That Sabbath day's rest, though, secondly, was actually one of seven festivals that the Hebrews were to celebrate each year. So in anticipation for the for the final rest to come, for for God to kind of restore Eden, for for them to come into paradise, into into heaven, they would have these seven celebrations. And so they were were encouraged to do that throughout the year to, to stop and to take to take stock, to take spend time with each other and with God. Thirdly, every seven years, they were meant to liberate any slaves, forgive debts and also let the land rest for a year. That meant not planting crops and and trusting God and the Lord for his provision and remembering actually that that it, it all everything comes from God. He has provided it all just as he began creation. He will complete it and he will be with them through it. Fourthly, every seven times seven years, every 49 years, it was a super special occasion called the Jubilee. This is where everything is reset. So over those 49 years, if you had lost land, it was returned to you. If you'd racked up debts, you were forgiven those debts. Prisoners were set free. If life had kind of given you a hard blow or you were poor, all your ancestral land was given back to you. Even those bits that you had to sell off to to pay off debts or whatever, it was all reset. And the land promised to your ancestors was returned. It was a clean slate. It was a fresh start. All was forgiven, everything restored, a free, undeserved, unmerited gift. And this is how God set up their society, set up his nation. It was all pointing to a hope in fu- of future rest. It's this gospel message being enacted over and over again, every week, every seven years, every seven times seven years, to help the people look forward to what is to come in God. You know, the people of God in the promised land, as you may well know, messed the whole thing up. 
and they remained corrupt. They didn't live according to God's laws. Those seven festivals basically was, were corrupt as well. And they started to worship other gods in the mix. And so once again, they went back into slavery and they looked for a future time where one would come to restore this rest and, and what this would be like, restore this blueprint. A few hundred years later, you get the religious people, as I mentioned earlier, saying, oh, well, you've got to keep all the laws and uh, you guys messed it all up. Now we've got to do it really, really strictly. And so on the Sabbath, you couldn't pick grain in the cornfield. You couldn't pick an, an apple off an apple tree. You couldn't pray for someone. And if they were healed, then that would be really bad because you were doing work on that day. And, you know, in the Old Testament, there was like 600 laws or something. In the New Testament, the Pharisees came up with over a thousand laws and this day of rest had really become hard work, to be honest. So I love that Jesus tore up the rule book. When he came, he reminded people of the purpose of the day off in the first place. He reminded them that the Sabbath was, was made for them. It was made for mankind, not the other way around. And so I love that Jesus chose a Sabbath to launch his public ministry. Check this out from Luke chapter four, verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant. He sat down and everyone looked at him. He began by saying this to them. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, did you hear that? Good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, setting the oppressed free, liberation, the year of the Lord. Jesus is talking about the ultimate jubilee, the ultimate rest. And he says it's now fulfilled in me. In Jesus's coming, in following him, in trusting him, we can all know what it really means to have rest and peace and life and to know his love and to know and enjoy the father's presence in our life. On the seventh day, when God created the earth, Adam experienced what full rest in God's presence, this free, unearned, unmerited, undeserved gift of God's favour. And now the way to find rest is in Jesus. You know, in Matthew, Jesus calls himself Lord of the Sabbath. It's like Lord of the rest. This is where you can find it. Elsewhere, he says, all who are weary and burdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. The Bible tells us to cast our anxieties onto Jesus because he cares for us. The message of the seventh day of creation is first and foremost a message of the gospel. And so it's important not for us to make this a day about rules, but to enjoy it. In fact, I was even chatting to a friend yesterday and their parents don't even take the bins out on a Sunday because that would be work. And, you know, it's all this religious thing to do. And do you know what? Like, it's all right. You're allowed to you're allowed to do stuff. You're allowed to enjoy life. It's just it's important for you to to not make it about what you can't do, but make it about what you can do. 
about ceasing and desisting from from I, I guess the checking the emails, the the, the WhatsApps, the, the the being the business coordinator, and enjoying family life, enjoying presence, enjoying God's creation, enjoying time to rest, to set aside this where this one day in a week. It's good to to set aside times in the year too to to have some natural um, breaks. You know, we have Christmas break, we have Easter break, and we have summer break, and those things are good. And it's important to try to take these times and these moments to to rest and to pause. You know, I know that this can be really hard, but God knew when enough was enough. He knew when to put down the to-do list and to stop. A slave driver doesn't know when to do that. Neither does a workaholic. And so, like the Hebrews, we're encouraged to take one day off each week to rest as a sign of the gospel. We're encouraged to take a day off uh, to, to taste rest in Jesus, to, to, yeah, to put aside the, the emails, to put our phones on silence uh, and to, to get away from the working WhatsApps or whatever it might be, to stop striving, but to, to pause, to, to surrender and not say, oh, no, I'm in control and I have to do this, but to step back and say, do you know what, it's okay the Lord will provide. The Sabbath was made for man and it's a blueprint instituted since the very beginning of time and God blessed it. He blessed that seventh day as uh, E.V. Uh, read out and he called it holy. Okay, so that, that was the main message that I want to get to you, but I do want to finish on these two last bits because and that's what the rest of this talk will just focus on over, uh, yeah, over this remaining time. And the first question for us to ask ourselves is, why do I need rest? Because lockdown has been a real challenge, hasn't it? For all of us, for everyone. And the reality is that back in March, we were told that we would need to just go in lockdown for six weeks. And here we are nearly a year on about to maybe not celebrate the anniversary but about to uh, come towards the anniversary of the first lockdown and if you feel like life is a bit hard right now do you know what I'm right with you and I'm not surprised some of you will know Mark Landra Smith who has some great videos that really help us to understand our bodies our mental health and the psychology of lockdown um, Mark also oversees our church he leads a great church um, and uh, uh, we enjoy to, to great friendship we enjoy having him with us when when he when he's with us and right now I'm just going to play a short video um, that just gives us a bit into insight from him about why we might be feeling a little bit depleted with our mental emotional and physical health at the moment and so this was recorded just before Christmas so it's a little dated but uh, check it out I think it's going to help us. Hi everybody welcome to Mark's vlog today I just want to describe a little bit in terms of what might be happening to us according to psychologists at this time of COVID and this strange time of mixed emotions. So one of the things psychologists tell us that has been happening to us is this, what they call surge capacity. In other words, what happens is that when COVID came, we had a surge of fresh capacity, a surge of adrenaline, a surge of wanting to do things, to change things, to be adapt, to be different, to lead in different ways, no matter what your area of leadership is. The trouble is with surge capacity is that it has a capacity. The surge isn't supposed to last this long. And so in other words, that can deplete us when it goes on for nine months as it has done now 
And then if you add to that what psychologists call indefinite anxiety, in other words, this thing going on and on and on and on indefinitely, and now maybe for the whole of the winter, our anxiety, those things that are kind of troubling us at the moment, just seem to be indefinite, infinite, going on and on and on. And again, that can deplete us and sap emotional and mental and physical energy from us because all those things are interconnected. And then if we, if we add to that as well what we call ambiguous loss, so in other words, things that we have lost. So we might be feeling the loss of seeing family, loss of hugs, loss of friendships, loss of holidays, loss of freedoms, loss of money, loss of job. You might have lost a family member, somebody that you know. Those things, all those losses compound together over these months can deplete us some more. And for Christians, of course, one of the biggest losses is, is the loss of the church, literally losing the church, losing worshipping, losing prayer, losing communion, losing fellowship. So all those things can mean that we feel depleted, low, emotionally, just kind of wrung out. So don't despair. You're not alone. Lots of other people are feeling those things too. And later on, we're going to talk about resilience and how to overcome those things. God bless you. So, so helpful, isn't it? And um, yeah, Mark, he, he talks in, in several of his videos in his vlog that you can check out about, um, yeah, other things, other ways in which we can restore uh, ourselves. And, and one, of the, one of the things, before we talk about some of that, what rest looks like, one of the things he mentions is about the endocrine system in our bodies, which is a bit like our nervous system in playing a vital role in controlling and re regulating the kind of network of glands that release hormones into our bodies. And two of those key hormones are oxytocin and serotonin. And um, oxytocin is also known as kind of the hug drug, that when you come into contact with someone, a, a nanogram of this oxytocin is released into your body and it lifts your mood. So with the lack of contact that we've had with others, we can all have this oxytocin deficiency. And especially those isolated by themselves, perhaps in care homes at this moment, then that's really, really hard and it's tough. And our, our bodies literally physically feel the lack of contact that we're having as, as people. You know, serotonin, it works to kind of stabilize and regulate our mood and it's released when we do things that we love. And so with the loss of freedoms, psychologists tell us that all across our country, many are experiencing a serotonin deficiency. You know, and when we do the things that we love, again, it's, it's released, this hormone is released into our bodies and it lifts our mood. And so if, if like me, perhaps, or, or like the Hebrews in the desert, you're feeling low, you're, you're feeling isolated, maybe lost or, or hopeless or anxious or nervous or, or worried for the future, it might just be helpful for you to know that it's probably for good reason. This past year has been so tough. It really has. It's just worth acknowledging that and, and just naming it and calling it out. It's been tough, it's been hard. And sometimes this can, this can lead to depression. And so if, you're doc, you know, if your doctor encourages you to 
to maybe take things that help you. They might ask you or encourage you to take selective serotonin reoptic inhibitors, which is SSRI. And those things, they literally, they, they release those hormones into you to help give you that boost. And it's important to seek medical advice if, if you are feeling low, and I'd encourage you to do that. And because, you know, God gave us doctors and nurses for a reason. But it's also good for us to know that God has given us some natural things that we can do to lift our mood, things that we can do that revitalize us, things that we can do, even in the situation we find ourselves in, in this current lockdown, where that we can do that actually releases some of those things into our body that helps us to feel better, that helps us to really rest and to know what that looks like. So let's finish then by just talking about that, because we've just spoken about what happens when we don't rest. Um, we or one of the things that happens when we we don't rest is that uh, or when we don't experience the things that we want to when we go through a lockdown like this is that we have a deficiency in these things that are released in our bodies that we experience that surge capacity and that depletes us and all those other things. They deplete us. But what does rest look like? And uh, here, uh, you know, as here are seven things, as you can imagine, because, you know, we want to look at complete rest that might help us. And if you type into Google, if you search about what happens if you lack rest, it will pretty much all go to sleep and sleep def deprivation. And sleep is is really important. It's a real important part of rest. You know, when we um, when our sleep is deprived, it causes all sorts of issues like from lower immune system, feeling grumpy, irritable. It can lead to weight gain, low productivity, brain fog, poor concentration and inability to make good decisions. It's even linked to things like obesity, diabetes, infertility and, and a low libido. And so when studying the book of Genesis, I wondered why is it that in chapter one, it doesn't repeat the refrain morning and evening, morning and evening, morning and evening. Why does it in, instead, why does it say evening and morning, evening and morning? You would expect if it was talking about each day that it, the day starts in the morning and goes round to the evening. That's how it should be described, but it doesn't say that. Throughout those first six days, it says evening and morning. And the reason that I found out is that whilst in our culture, the day starts at midnight, so every day, so you, at midnight, you then, you know, you go through, it becomes the morning and then you work around to the evening. That is not the case in Hebrew culture. In Hebrew culture, they started the day at 6 p.m. in the evening. Hence, the day is being described as evening and morning. And so day seven for Adam actually started at 6 p.m. in the evening. And I find this really interesting that he then spends his first few hours on this planet in the cool of an evening, spending time with God. Perhaps he was having a meal and then he went to sleep for, for like the next eight hours or whatever. Having gone to sleep, he was then able to wake up fully refreshed, able to enjoy God's presence, God's creation. And isn't it just crazy that on Adam's first full day, he started off by spending like a third of it asleep and you know what? I'm not surprised because getting rest in the form of sleep is just vital. And it is a God-given gift that I want to encourage you to really learn and value and appreciate and be grateful for. Uh, and to learn how to sleep well is important. To learn how to unwind before going to sleep uh, and, and doing things that help us are really important. But sleep isn't the only way in which Adam enjoyed the first full day of God. 
he experienced God's seventh day rest in other ways too. And so here's some other things. Um, and ways in some of these ways are, are ways in which psychologists will tell us are important for lifting our mood or building resilience or, or releasing the oxytocin and the serotonin. And one of those things is our diet. You know, Adam would have would have eaten with God. He would have eaten the fruits of the garden. He would he would have enjoyed having meals and thinking about what you eat and what you drink is important. Also, not just what you eat and what you drink and what you consume in your body is important, but also what you feed your eyes. What, how, how much news consumption are you uh, allowing yourself to go into? How, what are you looking at? Certainly having a, a healthy diet and, and making sure we're thinking about the foods that we eat is a good thing for all of us to, to be doing. Um, and that will help us to enjoy rest. Another thing is exercise, you know, getting out for a walk. The, the run that I did last week was great. Seeing God's creation, going for a cycle ride, getting fresh air. Sunlight is, is so important. And, you know, when you're, when you're out, don't just plug in but be mindful. That's mindfulness is again another one of those things that psychologists would encourage us to do. So when we're going for a walk, take time to look at the colours and the sounds and the smells and the crunching under your feet and, and really feel it and, and think about it and be present. You know, why don't you just stop and look at the flower, look at its intricacies, uh, describe, say out loud what you see is a good technique for, for people to do to just start to unwind and to take rest and to take stock and enjoy God's creation. We know that Adam stopped and he looked at every animal as they lined them up one by one and he gave them names. You know, he stopped, he paused, he looked, he evaluated. We can do the same. Stopping and looking at a flower is great. Uh, another thing is connection. And, and this is really hard at the moment, isn't it? Um, I, I know, I think it was serotonin literally gets released when you give someone a hug. And um, we'll find out that God says, you know, in, in uh, chapter three, that it's not good for, and chapter two, sorry, it's not good for Adam to be alone. And so he creates Eve. And connection is important. It's so important for us to have. And we can't hug people right now outside of our household bubble, but we can connect. You know, a phone call, a social distance walk, a, a su su just having supportive friends. You know, not only does this increase your own serotonin, but it increases others. Uh, you know, studies have found that an impromptu phone call from a friend can release that in your body and make you feel good. You know, even a nice hello to a stranger on the week, uh, on the walk as you as you walk past is, has similar results of just releasing that in our bodies and just lifting our spirits. And so that connection is an important thing for us to do and, and to think about when we want to take rest. Another thing is learning, you know, trying something new, reading a book, learning a new recipe or a new craft activity or a new language, a new hobby, a new instrument. Learning is good. And and again, you know, I imagine uh, that one of the things that Adam and Eve would have been doing in the garden is learning about God's creation, learning about the sunrise, learning about the stars and the planets, or maybe asking him questions about the different flowers and the plants and the animals and how it works. I, I don't know. But but learning is an important way in which we can um, take rest and then what about routine or, or rhythms you know we talked last week about how God created us for purpose and so having a routine making a list ticking it off even if you do something and it's not in your list 
write it back down and then tick it off. You know, having that kind of sense of purpose for your day is important. And I know something that, that, that those who have retired recently actually find this really tough in the, those first few years of retirement, finding that sense of purpose and, and certainly having a routine, having marked days where you do different activities is important. And then number seven, of course, is prayer. Psychologists might call it meditation, but we know it's prayer. We can pray to our father who knows us, who knitted us in our mother's womb, who walks with us through the valley, who cares for us. And you think, if you think about it, pretty much all of these things, Adam and Eve would have been able to enjoy on that first day. On Adam's first day on this planet, he would have been able to enjoy Sabbath rest. You know, the Sabbath, it was made for man to enjoy, to sleep, to learn, to eat, to explore, to adventure, basically to cease and desist from work. And so do you know what is important for us too? It's important for our emotional, mental well-being. It's important for, for us to be well rested because I know a, a rested Chris is a happy Chris and a rested Chris is a happy family and a happy wife and a happy kids. And not only is it important for our bodies, but it's important to remind ourselves, as I mentioned right at the start, that it's the gospel message. Every day we take rest, we stop and we proclaim that God is one in control, that he is the provider, that he is the one that has established this for us for good reason and good purpose. You know, he didn't do it for his own good, but he did it for us. And it's important for us to remember that Adam didn't receive God's rest or God's goodness and God's grace for his own hard work or hard efforts, but it was a free gift of God's grace that he can enjoy. And you know what, so can we too. So let's, let's pray and then we'll worship again. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that um, this is just a wonderful message of your goodness and your grace to your people, to your creation. I thank you, Lord God, that yeah, just as Adam spent that first day resting, enjoying your presence, being, you know, learning new things, trying new stuff. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that he was able to, to spend time with you, to, to, to know himself, to know what it means to enjoy life to all its fullness. And, and Lord, we look forward like the Israelites do. We look forward to a day, uh, did, we look forward to a day when we will know eternal rest, when we will know all that it means to, to be with you, God and to to know your goodness and your grace to be in the new Eden to know the new creation and we're looking forward to that and in the meantime in this middle period like the Israelites had in the desert like we've got in lockdown Lord I pray would you help us to have these markers of hope have these gospel messages in our weeks every week where we would stop we would rest we would proclaim the gospel in that rest we would proclaim that you are a provider and that we would take stock and we would breathe and we would know what it is to be people that are made good and built well. And so I ask you, Lord God, would you help us to imprint this blueprint for our lives into our lives again? Help us not to, to, to be sidestriped by our culture that's busy, 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 but actually to learn, Lord God, to put down the emails, to, to put down the WhatsApp and to trust in you and to live for you. In your heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchgilford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.